What's better than a perfectly cooked steak? Whether it's a ribeye, tenderloin, T-bone, strip loin, or sirloin, there's simply nothing better. I know that there are people out there, meat eaters, that don't really like steak. Often the reason they give is that they don't like it when blood comes out of the steak or on their plate and stains their mashed potatoes. They find steak tough, or they don't like the flavor. Today, I'm going to show you that all of these issues that many people have with steak are easily fixed by choosing the right steak and the proper cooking techniques. Because I love steak so much, I thought it was high time to share with you everything I know about steak. Now, if I had to choose a favorite cut of steak, it would absolutely be ribeye. Why? Well, because I love the fat content of a ribeye. I find the meat is tender and flavorful. It just suits me. But what about you? Do you have a favorite cut of steak? Do you know the difference between cuts of steak? Now, imagine that in your whole life, you've never had a steak before. You walk into a butcher shop, you see all the options, all the potential. How do you know what to choose? How do you know what steak is going to be right for you? Now, even if you've been eating steak your whole life, there's a really good chance that you eat what, what you're familiar with and what you grew up with. For example, if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, or if you were an adult in that period, there's a really good chance that you think a T-bone steak is the pinnacle of flavor and decadence. If you grew up in the 80s, you may think porterhouse is everything. In the 90s, it was all about tenderloin and strip loin. Now it's strip loin and ribeye. Times change, tastes change. However, there is a steak for every taste and time. Now choosing the right steak for you takes some thought. You may have to know what you like and what you don't like. If you don't know that, you need to experiment with a bunch of different steaks to find out um, and what a fun experiment it will be. Now when I choose a steak, I'm looking for fat content, tenderness, and flavor. This is why I prefer ribs, uh, ribeye steak to other cuts. The ribeye is the fattiest cut, and because of that, I find it has the most flavor. And because I love ribeyes doesn't necessarily mean that you will. To find out what might be right for you, let's take a look at each of the five most common cuts of steak. Ribeye. The ribeye is cut from the rib section of the cow. It's, lightly, it's a lightly used muscle, which is why it's so tender. It is also the most marbled of all the steaks, which gives it a high fat content and more flavor than other steaks. If you like fatty, juicy, flavorful meat, then the ribeye is right for you. If you prefer something a bit leaner, you're looking in the wrong place. These are best cooked medium rare to medium. New York strip loin. The strip loin is the most common steak for people who don't really know that much about steak. It isn't a particularly flavorful or tender cut of meat, but it also isn't like a particularly bad cut of meat either. The strip loin is cut from the short loin of the cow, which sits right behind the rib section near the back end. In comparison to the ribeye, it has little marbling or fat content. It does have a layer of gristle and fat on the top of the steak, which may or, not, may or may not be cut off prior to cooking. Sirloin steak. The sirloin is essentially the same thing as the strip loin. The only difference is that it comes from a little further back on the cow. A sirloin is part of the T-bone steak. And depending on where in, your world, in the world you're from, sirloin may just refer to strip loin or strip loin may refer to sirloin. They are kind of interchangeable. There really isn't that much of a difference. Tenderloin. As you can probably guess from its name, the tenderloin is very tender. It is the most tender of all the steaks, but it has next to no fat content. And personally, I find it has very little flavor. In other parts of the world, tenderloin is called filet, 
um, spelt either F-I-L-E-T, F-I-L-L-E-T, or I-F-I-L-E-T. The tender one is part of the cow that never really gets much work, uh, hence why it's so tender. It is a great steak for those who don't really like to chew. A good tenderloin basically melts in your mouth. Tenderloin would never be my first choice for a steak because it's typically one of the most expensive cuts, and again, I don't find it that flavorful. Having said that, if it's put in front of me, I will happily eat it, or any steak, really. T-bone. A T-bone steak is one of those cuts that has a reputation as being the gold standard of steak. As the name suggests, it has a T-shaped bone. This bone separates two cuts of meat, excuse me, which make up the T-bone steak. Those cuts are tenderloin and sirloin or strip loin, depending on where you're from. A tenderloin and a sirloin do not cook in the same amount of time. So you may order a T-bone and get half of it cooked perfectly, and the other half is going to be either over or undercooked. Now, in theory, a T-bone steak is a great idea. You get the best, the best, excuse me, I'm sorry, the best of both worlds. However, in practice, it never really works out. Now, if you're wondering, a porterhouse is a T-bone that is cut from further back on the cow. Has a greater portion of tenderloin with a T-bone, has uh, more strip loin or sirloin. But really, they're the same thing. Now, if you're just dipping your toe into the wonderful world of steak, I suggest starting with strip loin has a decent flavor and a fairly tender texture, and it isn't that expensive. Now, if you like really tender things with not a ton of flavor, you may and you have money to burn, then the tenderloin is for you. If you've been eating strip loins and tenderloins your whole life, but have always shied away from the ribeye, it might be time to try it. And if you're the type of person who likes to live on the edge and doesn't mind a little extra fat because you know it means a lot of extra flavor, then a ribeye is definitely right for you. Cooking steaks at home. It is all well and good to know what type of steak you want, but if you have no idea how to cook it once you get it home, what's the point? There are three main ways that people can cook steak at home. All three techniques can yield a delicious steak if you know what you're doing. So let's take a look. The barbecue. Probably the cooking method that most jumps out to people uh, when talking about steak is the barbecue. There's good reason for this. Steaks cooked over an open flame can be amazing as long as the person cooking them knows what they're doing. There are a lot of quote-unquote grill kings out there who burn the outside of steaks to a crisp and leave the inside raw or way overcooked. The secret to a really good barbecued steak is simple. Heat management. Oftentimes people will crank the barbecue and try to cook the steak over high heat. Uh, This can work if you're careful and you're paying attention. However, there's a big risk of burning the steak and ruining your dinner. For thinner cuts of meat that cook quickly, this isn't much of a concern and you really want that high heat for those. For anything thicker than your little finger, you want a more moderate, consistent heat. This will give you a uniform temperature throughout the steak without burning the crap out of the outside. For really large cuts, you may want to start them on very high heat to get a really nice sear on the outside, and then turn the heat way down, close the lid, and finish cooking them that way. Broiler. The broiler, is in most people's ovens, is rarely used. Some people don't even know how to use it or have never turned it on. And, but if done right, you can cook the best home-cooked steaks you've ever had under the broiler. The broiler setting on your oven turns the top element on high. This creates a very high direct heat. This works very well for cooking smaller cuts of meat or searing the outside of bigger cuts of meat at the beginning or at the end of cooking. The downside to using the broiler is that it's going to heat up your house and that the fat splattering from the steak is going to make a mess in your oven. It is totally worth it, though. 
This method can cook a steak very quickly, and so it's important to keep an eye on the steak the whole time it's cooking. Stovetop. For my money, there is really only one way to cook a steak on the stovetop, and that's in a cast iron pan. You have to get the pan very hot before you put the steak in. I don't usually even add oil to the pan as enough fat comes out of the steak. And this method is great for cuts any size, but bigger cuts may need to be finished in the oven. The up, uh, excuse me, the big upside to cooking steak in a cast iron pan is that you get a beautiful even sear. Uh, you also have more control over the cook because your hands on the steak the whole time, and you can baste it with butter and herbs. This is my preferred method of cooking steak at home. The downside to this technique is that if you don't have a good hood vent, your house is going to be filled with smoke. Also, your stovetop is going to get covered in grease splatter. Now, no matter how you're cooking your steak uh, or what cut of steak you're choosing, there are a few things that you should know that will give you the best possible steak. Drying. First of all, when you get home with your steak, unwrap it and put it in your fridge overnight, ideally on a rack so both sides of the steak can breathe. This will dry the surface of your steak, allowing you to get the best sear you can and concentrating the flavor of the meat itself. Warming. Before you cook your steak, let it come to room temperature. That's right, let the steak sit out on your counter for 30 to 60 minutes prior to cooking. It takes less energy to heat something that is room temperature than it does to heat something that is fridge temperature. This will allow for a more even and quicker cook. And as your steak will be cooking in less time, it will have less residual heat and that will have less carryover. Uh, carryover cooking is when residual heat uh, left in an item continues to cook it once it has been removed from the heat source. The greater the mass of an item and the longer it has been cooking, the greater the amount of residual heat and thus more carryover cooking. Resting. After the steak is cooked, it is very important to let it rest. The reason why it involves that residual heat we were just talking about. When you take a steak off of the heat source, it takes time for the heat to dissipate. As the heat is dissipating, the molecules within the steak start slowing down. As the molecules within the steak start slowing down and cool, the fat and muscle proteins that have been liquefied by the heat start to cool and solidify. This allows for an even distribution of fat and moisture throughout the steak. Now, if you were to cut into a steak as soon as it comes off the heat, all of these juices would come pouring out. Um, the rarer the steak, the more bloody those juices would be. If you take that same steak, no matter how rare, and let it rest for 5 to 10 minutes, depending on its size, those juices will remain in the steak when it's cut. As I'm sure you can imagine, a steak can't be juicy if all of its juices are on the plate. Resting allows for a juicy, tender steak. Seasoning steak. Steak isn't cheap and can actually be very expensive depending on what you're buying. Because it is so expensive, I stay away from overpowering sauces and flavorings. I actually want to taste the steak. Now when it comes to seasoning a steak, I keep it pretty simple. I generally stick to salt and pepper, occasionally adding garlic and onion powder, and maybe Old Bay seasoning. That's about as far as I go. If I'm roasting a larger steak or a whole strip loin, prime rib or tenderloin, I may do a garlic and herb rub. The thing is, all these flavors complement the flavor of the steak rather than overpowering it. I also may baste my steak with butter, garlic, and herbs while it's cooking. Again, this complements the flavor of the steak. Basting gets the flavor into the nooks and crannies of the steak, making it even more delicious. When it comes to sauces, I keep it pretty simple. A flavored butter is always a great option. You just mix herbs and flavorings into butter, put it on the steak, and let it melt. Delicious. 
I also like chimichurri, which is an herb sauce from South America that works incredibly well with steak. And I'm also partial to pan sauces, demi-glace, and horseradish. I always avoid barbecue sauces and things like HP sauces. I find these completely over uh, cover up the flavor of the steak, making it a waste. If someone is serving me a steak with an overpowering sauce, my first assumption is that they're serving me a low-quality steak. The sauce is there to cover up the low quality. So always be weary of strong steak sauces. When it comes to steak, simple is always best. Pay the money for a good steak and you won't need any sauce at all. One of the final things that we haven't touched on yet is temperature. How do you like your steak cooked? Well, it depends on the steak. But I find that a ribeye medium is perfect. Anything less than that and the fat doesn't really get a chance to cook properly. When it comes to strip loins, rare to medium is preferable. Rare to medium rare, excuse me. And for tenderloin, medium rare is the perfect temperature. On TV and restaurants, you'll see chefs and cooks checking the doneness of a steak simply by touching them. We can do this because of practice. When you cook a thousand steaks, you get a pretty good idea of how they feel and how they act. You can tell the difference between when a strip loin is medium and when a tenderloin is medium. They feel very, very different. And so I recommend using a thermometer rather than guessing at the temperature. For rare steaks, the temperature is 130 degrees. Medium rare is 135 to 140. Medium is 140 to 150. Medium well is 150 to 160. And well done is 160 to 170. So there you go. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual on this happy Friday. And this has been everything I know about steak. Um, this is an extra long episode and I really appreciate you listening through to the end. Uh, I hope that you all have a fantastic weekend. I'll be back tomorrow with questions of the week and then back on Monday with another fantastic episode of Food and Five. And on Monday we are talking about, I don't know yet. We'll see. Anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot.